hot chocolate all over the world. It's the hot chocolate show. You are now tuned into the hot chocolate show. Hot chocolate all over the world. Hot chocolate all over the world. It's the hot chocolate show. Hot chocolate yeah, all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta tune into the hot chocolate show. Hot chocolate all over the world. and brothers and we thank God for your life and the many sacrifices you made hot chocolate all over the world it's the hot chocolate show traveling all over the world cause you deserve it yeah. hot chocolate all over the world it's the hot chocolate show so Guys, I am hot chocolate all over the world. I must say, this is my very first podcast. <laughs> so I want you to get to know me as I get to know you, and we're gonna grow and change and evolve together into what God originally intended us to be. You know, sometimes I think about what was on God's mind when He spoke hot chocolate into existence, when He spoke you into existence. So The biggest question up front is, why do they call me hot chocolate? Before you even know who I am, what I do, where I came from, all that, what I like to eat, why do they call me hot chocolate? Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, it's not what you probably think. There's no stripper pole in the subject matter. (laughs) There's no strangeness. It was really developed out of pain. What kind of pain, hot chocolate? Great question. Being raised in the 70s, I was born in 1970. I give my age like water. Right now I'm 53 years old, grateful for it. So being raised in the 70s, it was not popular to be dark-skinned, okay? Um, Everybody, most people that I encountered, should I say, said that I was too dark, that I was too black, that I was the wrong skin color. So think about a three-year-old having to tackle that day after day after day, situation after situation. And my earliest memories around three years old, so 50 years ago, um, I remember going to daycare and my mom having to pull me out of daycare because by that time I'm traumatized because everybody said, you're the wrong skin color. You're too black. Why are you so black? So I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know what to say. So as time progressed, I ended up being really bullied in grade school. I'm talking about coming home with no coat in the dead of winter because my coat was stolen. And it was always for one reason. You're too dark. You're too black. So I'm going to get you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to make you pay for the color of skin that you have. So growing up, I had a traumatic childhood. Now, my teachers liked me because I was smart. 
but I was always nervous, always feeling traumatized, always feeling like, oh my gosh, why am I this skin color? You know, I even remember coming home from school, standing in the bathroom mirror. We were in a 700 square foot apartment, two bedrooms, one bathroom. So I would hog the bathroom after a school. It was just me and my mom, single mom, God rest her soul. And I would cry, lock the bathroom door, stand in the mirror, cry. God, why did you make me this skin color? I can't change it. I don't know what to do. Everybody's telling me I'm the wrong skin color. Just begging God to change my skin color, explain to me why I was this skin color. So my great-grandfather, let's rewind a little bit. When I was about three years old, he heard about it. Not my grandfather, uh, because my grandfather didn't think I was good enough to be his granddaughter. But that's the whole story of it, of itself and in and of itself. But my great-grandfather heard about me being traumatized. I had an amazing mother. I had an amazing great-grandmother and great-grandfather. They were my support system growing up. He said, my black gal, I heard that they're hurting you. I heard that they're threatening you, even when I would visit them in their community in what we call South Memphis. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. So I would go outside and try to play. And before the end of the day, you black this. You are the wrong skin color. And what was so interesting, it was never outside of my community, never among my white brothers and sisters or my Asian brothers and sisters. It was always within my own sister and brotherhood, my own African-American sister and brothers, my own black people. So that was even more confusing because I'm thinking, well, why am I less than because you're lighter than me? I mean, but what do I do about this, right? So he heard about it, and he started saying, you're my chocolate gal, and I'll do such and such and such to those such and such and such people. Um, He had colorful language, to put it mildly, and he kept a pistol on him. And he said, anybody who who hurts, continues to hurt my black child ain't going to hear from me. He said, because you're my hot chocolate. And I thought, hmm, so I must not be so bad after all. But hearing it there within the home of my great-grandparents, because I stayed with them um, early on Monday through Fridays while my mom worked, and then going home to my mom, who was encouraging me and building me up, those were my safe spaces But they couldn't, you know, be there at all times. I had to be out in the world. I had to go to school. I had to mingle with people. I had to be on the playground, all of that. And I'm telling you, it was rough. But it was something about my great-grandfather, even his sister. They started calling me hot chocolate. And so when they would say that, I'd smile. When he said, you're my chocolate gal, I'd smile. There's a name for all this now. We call it colorism. But I was not smiling at school. I was not smiling sometimes even at church. I even remember there was an elder in our church that everybody loved because he could preach and sing, right? The altar would be full. But when he saw me in the hallway, total stranger, other than knowing him in church, he would corner me and taunt me about my skin color and about not having a father in the home with me. And so there again, I'm at church being taunted. So my mom did everything she could to protect me, but my great-grandfather planted a seed of greatness 
inside of me by calling me his hot chocolate. Well, at 19, the story didn't end there. I'm so grateful. At 19, I remember being in a friend's home. And I was there, it was the friend of my mom's, and we didn't have a washing machine and dryer, right? And I was home from Oral Roberts University trying to wash my clothes. And she said, you can wash your clothes even if I'm not here. Here's a key, because she loved my mom, and my mom loved her. So, and we loved her late husband. So I was sitting there trying to figure out my life and why I had gone through what I had, and I heard a voice. For those of you all who believe God can speak to you, I know it's true, and those of you all who don't, you don't know what you're missing out on. Let me just leave it right there. So God spoke to me, you guys, and he said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I had never read that before in Scripture. And I was like, oh, this voice, okay. He said, everything I make is beautiful. You're beautiful. You're the right skin color. And everything, you guys, everything in my life came alive in that moment. And I'm like, wow, really? So my great-granddaddy was right. My mom has been right all these years. My, uh, that's what I thought at that time. And my great-grandmother, I said, she was right. So I'm really okay? He's like, you're more than okay. You're hot chocolate. He said, and you use that to transform others' lives. Because this is your story, your testimony of going from trouble to triumph going from victim to victor. And so I proudly say I am hot chocolate. And then the all over the world tag, because I own a radio show as well. So the all over the world tag came in a radio station one day because my desire my entire life is to travel the entire world, which I started doing, thankfully, a few years ago, but also to transform lives as I travel to meet new people and to love people because when I had that beautiful moment at 19 in my mom's friend's apartment doing laundry, one of the things God said to me was to wear black as often as possible to represent the fact that you're no longer ashamed of your skin color. And, you know, I really didn't think about it when I put on black today because I really thought of some other colors to wear. But how, how amazing it is, my first podcast, I'm talking about this, I'm wearing black. So I think that's a great confirmation that I'm in the right place at the right time. But he also told me, I want you to love yourself and love others no matter their color, no matter their background, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their religious belief system. I want you to love them because I created them all. All colors, all shades, all backgrounds. So that's why I love telling people, even on my radio show, I love you. I always say to them, I don't have to know you to love you. So I literally have friends all over the world. If you go back to uh, my Facebook, uh, Hot Chocolate All Over the World on Facebook, and Hot Chocolate is one word, not two, capital H, capital C, okay? So that's how you'll find me. Most people think it's two words and normally would be, but I'm not normal. I'm not the normal hot chocolate. I'm the special hot chocolate. So it's one word. So this past Christmas, I spent it in New York with my friends from Greece who don't look like me. They're from Athens, Greece. But the love we share is so kindred. It's so real. It's so beyond skin color. It's so beyond ethnicity. So I learned through my pain through my trials, through my tears and my suffering, how to love for real, how to love everybody, how to appreciate people, how to appreciate our differences. One of the things I love about 
my friends from Greece, Florentina and her family. That's one family, and Stratos and Mary and their families. I've learned to appreciate our differences. I want to know why you believe differently than I do religiously. I want to know, you know, why you eat this and I've never heard of it. I want to know. So understanding that I'm hot chocolate and I'm all over the world, that's a love language for me. I, I just never thought about that even until this moment. Being hot chocolate is my love language. <laughs> it is my story. It is who I am for real. And I have people who mock the name, sure. But I have tough skin because remember, my whole childhood, I was mocked for being a certain skin color, right? So for people who say, well, I just want to call you Melody because that's my legal name. Uh, for now, because I'm thinking about changing that even to hot chocolate. But people say, I don't want to call you hot chocolate. That just don't sound right. You know, and a lot of times it's out of uh, sincerity that they say it, and sometimes it's to mock the name, but it's okay either way. Because one of the things that I've learned through my trials is how to celebrate who I am. And that's the only way I get to celebrate others because I know who I am. And I stand in that. I stand in that space. And so I proudly say I'm hot chocolate. So that's just a little bit of who I am, why I am the way I am, why I celebrate myself the way I do. So just a little bit about me. I'm a single, uh, I was about to say a single child, but I'm the child of a single mother. And um, I, I've had, I think, the greatest mother ever because my life has been very colorful. It's been very interesting. And my path has been special. And I know it has been. It's been uh, specifically curated for just me. And only a special mother could have handled the things that I faced and still support me and still believe in what she couldn't see right then. And as my story unfolds, as you continue to tune in, you'll get to know more about me. In one sense, I haven't done a lot of things, you know, when it comes to being out there in the street or maybe having a child out of wedlock, all the big things that people get to uh, talk about as far as a testimony and how triumphant they are. Now, I don't have maybe those stories, but honey, I promise you, I have a lot of stories and all the things that have made me who I am and making me who I am becoming. So uh, my mom was just, wow. It seems funny even now to say was past tense because august of 2023 august of eight, august 18th at about 1203 a.m she went to heaven and the thing about that that i'm still dealing with and i'm still processing and i am going through my processing time of grieving and and making sense of it all and it is a um one day at a time journey and i know god helps me every day because my mom was my best friend. She was my best girl. She was my ride or die. She was my laughing partner. You know, one small thing that you all may think strange, but I think I want to just tell him, put it out there. I started loving monkeys, okay? I don't want one, but I recently found out through YouTube people have little monkeys as pets, and I found it really interesting because I don't have pets. And to see those monkeys, you know, drinking, holding a cup, and some of them using forks and seeing people transform their lives for monkeys to live with them, it was very fascinating to me. Plus, it's like something to relax me. It's not gossip. It's not um, heavy. It's not sad. 
just monkeys, right? So I remember telling her about my monkeys. I was like, Mom, you know, I found a new way to relax uh, watching monkeys at the end of the day. You know, I spent some time with the monkeys on, on YouTube. And she found it so interesting. She's like, what, babe? You know, just little things like that. The fact that she called me love, that was her nickname for me. And she said that I only respond well to love. And she had to understand that. We'll talk more about that as time goes on. And to know she's no longer here. My mom had just a stomach blockage. And we thought she just needed some Metamucil or she needed a good bowel movement. And she was taken to the hospital, not rushed, because we took her to the hospital. And to the emergency room to get some meds, we thought. They admitted her. One thing led to another. Fourteen days later, she went to heaven. So was I prepared for it? No. People say, well, you went through it, yeah. But mentally and emotionally, I really wasn't. But I was strengthened from heaven to walk through it gracefully, to honor her wishes. And the thing that I hold the most uh, in my heart is that my mom talked to me before she left. Uh, she was a single mother. I don't have children. Um, I was the only child. We don't have a close family. So she was so many things to me. Uh, and so she got to talk to my husband. Hey, husband. Don call you. Hey, husband. She got to talk to him and tell him what a great son he had been and how she was grateful that I had someone to love me. Because um, she told me she was leaving this world the second week in the hospital. She said, I need to talk to you. You're, uh, you need to hear this. I'm leaving. And I'm like, what? We just need to rectify this stomach blockage. You're leaving. We're trying to fix the problem. We had talked about who was going to be with her at her home when she left because she lived by herself. She was independent. And when she left the hospital, we were setting up, making plans for the future. And she turned 81 while in the hospital. She called me in uh, that second week and said, I'm not going to make it. She said, it's my time. I'm like, uh, time to get better? She said, time to go home. She said, I don't want to go, but God has let me know it's my time. She said, I'm not getting better for a reason because it's my time to go to heaven. She said, but my concern was you. She said, and God let me know you're going to be just fine. Because, see, I had a mother who prayed for me all the time. Sometimes I would even call her and tell her something. She's like, I already know. And I'm like, well, how do you know? She said, because I've already prayed about it. And I was like, wow. Or she'd see a pimple. You all right? You eating too much of this? You know, just, wow. She was so many things to me. But she prepared me for her transition by talking to me. But this is the thing that I hold to. This is the point I was getting to. She said, I want to tell you what a daughter you've been to me. She said, because when I'm gone, I don't want you to be in a position or feel like you have to explain what you didn't do. She said, because you did everything. Or question yourself, could you have done more? Could you have given more? Or if anybody else even tries to ever question you, I want you to hear it from me while I'm still on this side. She said, you were the best daughter I could have ever asked for. She said, there was nothing I thought of you didn't give me. There's nothing I want you didn't make happen. You made sacrifices, and you did it from your heart. She said, I wa I've watched you over time. Bless me. She reminded me, you gave me my first surprise party when you were only eight years old. 
eight. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and it was successful. How about that? And I wrote the little invitations on a little construction paper and gave them out when we went to church. And because, uh, of course, I couldn't drive. So I had to talk to the people in close proximity. And that was at church mainly. And she said, you have done so much for me as a daughter. She said, there's nothing else you could have given me. She said, you've made my life, you and the Lord, you, you, you all have made my life worth living. She said, and she, I remember her finger going up. Now, I'm standing there boohooing. Let's just put that in there. I'm crying like a baby at that point. I said, Mama, I can't hold it. She said, I know, baby. She said, you cry while I talk. I'll never forget that. And she pointed her finger laying in that bed, weak in her body. She said, not even one, no, I'm sorry, she used this finger, not even one iota that could fit on the tip of my finger more could you have done for me in this lifetime. She said, you were the best daughter I could have ever asked for. And towards the end of my boohooing and weeping and her talking, it came to me, and I know it was bigger than me. I know it was the Lord speaking to my heart, saying to record this. And you have to know me. I don't like hospitals at all, and I don't record people and take pictures of people in the hospital bed because those are not memories I want to have. But in that moment, I knew I needed to do that. So I recorded it, and I tried, I've tried even a couple of times since then to watch it. It's not time yet. Can't really make it through that. But I have it. And I said, Mom, do you mind if I record you? And she said, yeah, baby. That's a great idea. She said, now, tell me when to start back to talking. <laughs> she kept her personality all the way through the process of transitioning. And uh, I recorded it. And every part of our home, every part of my life, I see her because she was a letter writer. She wrote to her friends, her family, to people who were sick, just thinking about people. Everybody knew my mom as a little note writer and letter writer, so she was buying cards and notes. In fact, I bought hundreds for her. When she went to heaven, I found so many that were left behind that she hadn't used yet. I kept her supplied with them and with postage because that was her ministry to write and encourage people daily. She did it my entire life. So she went to heaven, thankfully. Uh, I was able to be there with her. I never left her those two weeks in the hospital by herself. As much as I can't stand hospitals, when it comes to love, you put that aside and you do what you have to do. So I have no regrets. I was there for her. I stopped my whole life until she left this earth those two weeks. She was in the hospital. Thank God for an understanding husband because all I could be was a daughter for those two weeks. So that's a little bit about me, and she would be so proud of me right now. So she left August of 2023. It still seems like yesterday. But she let me know that she had prayed for me and that God told her I was going to be all right without her. Though it's hard, I'm all right. I'm right here, right? And we're getting to know each other again. I'm hot chocolate all over the world. I sell life insurance, whole life. As you follow this podcast, you're going to learn a lot about what I do, why I do it, the way I do it, and the fact that I love empowering the community with whole life insurance, final expense burial insurance, uh, up to 35000 or less, ages 0 to 85, high blood pressure, no problem, diabetes, we accept diabetes, no problem. Um, there are so many things that other companies say no to that we say yes to 99% of you. 
would qualify for our policies. We do it by phone. Only takes a few minutes. And I would love to help you. 901-219-2020. Especially if you're in the state of Tennessee. Uh, we have other states coming, but right now my main focus is the state of Tennessee. In our communities, there's so many people who have no life insurance. So if you're age 0 to 85, you're in Tennessee, all you have to do is call me today at 901-219-2020. If you can't reach me by calling me, leave a voicemail. If you can't reach me by voicemail, text me. And like I even told my mom and I tell my husband, if I'm busy, keep calling, keep texting if I can't answer you the first time. So we're family now. You know, you know my business. <laughs> You'll get to know more of it as we go along. I just love talking, sharing my story, and I have a whole lot of stories. I ask my husband. So I just want to say I love you to my husband on one level, but as far as family, I love you all, no matter your color, no matter your background. I am hot chocolate all over the world. Thank you for tuning in. 901-219-2020 for all your life insurance needs. Bye. Till next time.